Welcome to The Cut Hanger on 2SER 107.3 FM. We acknowledge the traditional owners on the land in which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Euronation, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm your guest host, Peter Holden, once again filling in for the amazing Fee Lamb. And today I'm joined by... Emma Phillips here, talking to you from Bidjigal land. And Coach Kiwi here, talking to you from Wurundjeri country. And in this week's show, our finals week three for AFLW Season 6, we're going to be looking at the preliminary finals. We're going to be talking about the W Awards, which will be underway as we go to air on 2SER and previewing the grand final. Uh, But we do need to make mention, uh, we haven't activated the medical sub for this week. We are one down. Tracy, (laughs) get well soon. We hope to have you back on uh, next week. So let's talk about it. The MCG, we pumped it up. Big occasion, six and a half thousand end up turning out to see what ended up being a very thrilling game of football. And uh, maybe Emma Phillips, Tracy kicks away because she's drowning in her sorrows. The Brisbane Lions, the Brisbane Lions will not go back to back. The hurt is real. Ed, the hurt is real. Yeah, look, I do feel sorry for Trace. I mean, you know, as we said many, time, many times over this season, the Brisbane Lions really looked the goods, didn't they? And I think you almost feel like on a different day they would have come through. You know, it's one of those, do we play it American style, best of seven or something and <laughs> come out on top, I think. Um, but look, not to take anything away from Melbourne at all. I mean, they have just fine-tuned their game at the right time. You know, they, they played an incredibly impressive um, pressure game, you know, very high forward press, um, and uh, you know, and the structures for Brisbane just fell down on the turnover time and again. Um, Melbourne, I think, once you know, once the sort of the rubbish stuff settled at the start, really turned to that short chip game very, very well. And we talked about it last week as to how that would go under the pressure from Brisbane. But in fact, Melbourne really withstood, I think, what Brisbane threw at them. Threw at them. I think for me that one of the, the key talking points out of this match is the fact that. Superstar Taylor Harris only had three touches, no marks and no goals. And yet Melbourne have come out of this winning a preliminary final. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And what are we going to look for? <laughs> what kind of form is she going to be in next week, given what she didn't produce in the preliminary final? Kiwi, you've got a few other thoughts on on this match, I know. <laughs> um yeah, look, I think um, I think we were just expecting two really good quality teams to come out and play some good quality football, and the conditions really prevented that. It just it was just constant rain the whole game, and even got heavy. Um, I think the second quarter came down quite heavy, so it just made the ball slippery. So um, that that style of the kick mark style we just went out the window. Um, and having said that, these two teams, I thought, are both both very good defensive teams and it was 1v1 all over the park. It didn't matter if you were a forward, a metre back. Um, everyone was just marked up 1v1 all over the park and I think that prevented both teams um, having the option to get out wide or get the ball moving um, really quickly, uh, which they, you know, in other games that's what they've done and done extremely well. Mm. Um, I think what Melbourne did in the end was they've, they've got a lot of pace, through, especially through that forward line and I think this is probably what they'll do next week um, against Adelaide as well is, is they really start to empty out their forward line. And, you know, the players, you know, like Daisy, like Taylor, they provided some really good blocks that freed up their speedsters to get through. And, you know, and if you look at those three goals that Alyssa Bannon got, you know, two of them came from blocks. 
that were really mm. good blocks up the field that allowed her to get through. Um, and then little Mackenzie, you know, she, she was a little speed demon and she probably took – I actually didn't see the stats. I would guess she took more marks. Than, actually, no, not more marks. She should have taken more marks than most. <laughs> um, they used her as an out from the back line most times in the game. But the work condition, she was unable to hold the ball. But for someone so small, interesting – option to use that side of the um, field to, as an always out until they change it up a bit. But, um, you know, I thought her goal was well-deserved. She actually played uh, really, really well amongst a team of big stars. But um, I think with Taylor, um, I think she just does other things. I don't know if it's hmm. by a director from the coach or if it's just herself. She seems to change the way um, she plays in some of the big games and um, she she is an aerial player. She really got into some of those aerial marks and I think that's why this players around got to get the ball and got the run on because she just was able to break down. She didn't hold the big marks, but she was able to bring the ball to ground and, um, and let their species take control of it. Um, but, you know, lines all over the park, I, I think they can all hold their head high. I don't think any of them had terrible games. Um, I think... We sort of talked about this a couple of weeks ago is that they started showing in front of goal that they wanted to score each individual rather than look for a teammate. And there were perhaps a couple of opportunities where they could have hit up a teammate, whether a handball over the top or, um, you know, or, or a little mark. And they sort of took the option themselves and didn't get the big score. And, you know, and that was quite early on. They, they had some chances there too. So I think... You know, as a reflection for their season, I think they've got plenty to be proud of and certainly understand why any Lions supporter will be uh, still heartbroken from the result because they've had a great season and they do play some quality football. They just didn't quite get the edge over the Ds in the weekend. Can I mention two players out of that game, one from the losing side and one from the winning side? I'll begin with the Lions. You talked about Harris, but maybe we're not giving the credit, the due credit to Phoebe exactly. Monaghan, <laughs> who did the, the, a brilliant shutdown job on her. And we've got to remember, this is a delisted Phoebe Monaghan that's been mm. taken by the Brisbane Lions and stood up in a preliminary final and almost through her work alone by shutting down Melbourne's key forward, almost got the Lions back to another grand final. You know, yeah, I was yeah. sitting with a couple of my under 18. Sorry, Em. No, you're and, right, and even, you know, I was saying, oh, this is Phoebe Monaghan, wasn't wanted by Richmond. They were like, what? What? They couldn't understand why, you know, a player, how she was playing. That was even probably only in the second quarter that they thought she was outstanding for the lines in the back line there. Um, you know, and there's some, they're wise players, these under 18s. <laughs> they are, aren't they? <laughs> and also to, to slide into a premiership side, you know, and, and just be looking really comfortable from early in the season. She has had such a consistent season, such a reliable player. We talk about someone who's delisted, who's not only cemented her spot, but someone you'd look to now as one of those first picked you know, one of those kinds of players who is never going to be glamorous necessarily, is never going to make the headlines, will probably be underrated by many, but one of your first picked now, you know. Now, she has really built herself a great brand, I reckon, and she's going to be around for quite a while, Phoebe Monaghan. And you're right, Peter, I'm actually glad you raised that because we do focus on those kind of superstar, you know, glamorous forwards and what they're doing right or wrong. Uh, but but Monaghan was superb, Absolutely. Dare I say? Um, she, dare I say? Just quickly, she had big shoes to fill through the season when Kate Lutkins <laughs> went down in round one. Yeah, you're not wrong. And we do need Tracy Kick here right now. And in her absence, I'm going to say Monahanamania. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that was our banner that we put for um, for Phoebes a few years ago. Um, we don't really talk about the All Australian selections, but I actually felt that um, she was a bit hard done by. I thought for her consistency throughout the season, and she's always taken the big job on the big forwards, and you know help help Brisbane through, um, and being just you know as you said, she's been the rock down the back. So I thought her not getting listed in that All Australian squad is probably a little bit rough. Now, Who would you have ousted, though, Kiwi? Sorry, Peter. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, no. Um, there was another one because that was the thing because I was like, mm, oh, I can't remember who it is now. There is there is somebody that, nah, Phoebe's done more than her. <laughs> <laughs> and thus they share on name, Nameless. Um, let's talk about Melbourne and one player that stood out for me and I guess a big question mark around her, Daisy Pierce. I thought terrific in the preliminary final when others were doing dinky kicks. She's the one who just went through a pack and just said, no, I'm kicking with purpose and I'm setting us up. According to all the talk, apparently she's retiring this season. Apparently this will be her final game. I think everyone's putting that thought into the head because obviously she's got kids. She's got the media job at the moment. People are talking about coaching. Do you all see this as Daisy Pierce's last game coming up or based on what you saw on the weekend, I think she's good for one or two more years. Oh, yeah, look, you're right, Peter, I think. And I have to, I have to admit, I, I haven't been as big a Daisy Pierce fan as perhaps some of my contemporaries in the football world, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> Fine player, don't get me wrong, but I just haven't quite been the same, you know, haven't given her the same love. She was fantastic on the weekend and she was just a rock for Melbourne and that's that's selling her short because she's always the rock for them but she just had a superb game and when things were tough she was right there and she had clean skills all the way through I would almost call it a flawless effort and then she led from the front as well and then when things got tough she settled the troops you know so you say she's got another year or two I don't see why not if she's going to produce a game like that in a preliminary final then why wouldn't you play on? Look, and maybe she has other priorities. I think she will retire. That's my that's my read of things. But I but I would actually love to see her play on for a year or two. <laughs> Look, I think you're I laughing think, at me, Kiwi. <laughs> no, not not you at all, Em. Not you. I actually agree with what you said. Um, I just laugh at Melbourne media. It's it's not Melbourne media if there's not some made up stories going around <laughs> um, on every front page. Um, any time of the year, but especially coming to grand final. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see her retiring. Um, you know, maybe if she wins the flag, if she gets best on ground. But, um, yeah, I think she's got plenty in her. And I think ab- absolutely what you said, she's still contributing on the field and um, and contributing in ways that, you know, I with young kids and I go, watch this, watch what she does, watch her decision-making, look at where she, you know, picks the options out. She's not always going direct forward. She's actually picking up someone, you know, laterally or 45 or she's changing lanes somewhere. She's It's, it's her football smarts. And, mm. you know, I think the way she plays, her body's not getting bashed around. So I think yeah. she's getting looked after there. And anyway, she's had two kids and can come back and play football. So, you know, it's got – surely she's proven that she can – do motherhood and be a superstar and be on the um, commentary at the at the men's football. And she's a woman who can have it all. <laughs> she does midwifery around yes. the traps as well. So D- Daisy can do everything. <laughs> 
Well, let's have a look at the other preliminary final. It was played at the Adelaide Oval. The number one ranked Adelaide Crows, 6-4-40, defeated Fremantle, 4-2-26. The Crows go to their fourth grand final in the AFLW out of six seasons. Remember, we didn't have a grand final a couple of years ago, so not a bad record, four out of five. Uh, this will be the second grand final at the Adelaide o- – pardon me, third grand final at the Adelaide Oval. Of course, they beat Carlton 2019, lost last year to the Brisbane Lions – as we said, there's last dance vibes around the Crows. We know they're going to get broken up. We know some are going to uh, Port Adelaide. And I tell you what, they didn't exactly do it in a rout on Saturday. They handled Fremantle, but they didn't control them. Hmm. Yep. Before the game, I was nervous that it was going to be a rout, given how good Adelaide have been. But you're right. I think it's a nice way to put it, Peter. They didn't. They just controlled them, didn't they? There was a sort of a, a management of them or something like that. You know, um, I think uh, any given day, again, these two sides are very evenly matched. Probably, you know, we talk about that second or third tier lot of Crows players that are just that step above really any other team. And I think Fremantle are probably the closest to them in that sense. I found... Frio to be quite frustrating on the weekend. I thought that they were would have been in with more of a chance had their forward structures been a bit more solid, and their forward or hadn't they, their structures were probably sound, but they didn't play them as as frequently as they should have. And obviously playing that high press, whether they just weren't getting on their jets, getting back there, but the number of times they had a fast turnover, you know, a release that sort of slingshot from the back and had it up on the wing and had absolutely nowhere to kick to. And I just thought there's a moment of, you see this in AFL football, it's in a moment of just thinking, why is it that there's no one up forward to kick to, really? And actually, I really think it's kind of a blight on the game these days, that spectators have to watch someone hold the ball, be corralled, find themselves under pressure instead of allowing that free-flowing running to continue. Now, honestly, if Frio had just had one player up there, you know, and they've got a couple of superstar forwards too, how different might this game have been? Yeah, I think um, I think you're right, Em. I think um, I was very frustrated for you as well, and I thought they had. I mean, they've got the quality players without mm. a doubt, but they just didn't take their chances um, enough, and they didn't apply the pressure that they can apply to a team um, like Adelaide. And you know, sometimes I wonder should they have rung Bulldogs and said, "What was it that you did to beat Adelaide?" <laughs> Um, maybe Dees will do that this week. I don't know. Um, but, you know, Crows were just good again all around the park and, you know, Chelsea Randall to see her back and flying. You know, there was one time she went absolutely flying. And back into the pack. Came up and, yeah, she went flying over the pack, I think, and landed. And I was just like, I oh, don't do it again. Don't, you know, get a concussion in the prelim again. Mm. Um but, I think she had 12 intercept marks, actually, Kiwi. She was just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, she's we've said this since the first season. She's just a phenomenal player and just phenomenal athlete, the way that she does fling, fling her body through the air. Um, um, just selflessness, really, isn't it, to, to take that mark and without any fear of, you know, what damage she may do to herself, or what bruise or grass burn or anything. Um, and um, she was just solid. And, and to have someone like her cutting off all those intercept marks through that through that halfback sort of line frees up someone like Sarah Allen. And I think she did a fantastic job as well. And, you know, she's just had an outstanding, outstanding season and really growing in the last few years as, as that fullback. But even, even this year, and I've said it before, she's playing as a very high fullback too. And, and they get away with it. So, 
it's going to be interesting this weekend um, when we come into the game. But, um, but yeah, I thought Crows were just solid. And I think, you know, they changed up their centres. I don't know, they just seemed to have a little bit different structure in their centre and they start to win a lot more ball and, and, and control the centre clearances a little bit better than they have done previously. Mm. Um, so whether that's something they've worked on to polish, to take against the quality midfield that um, the Ds have, I don't know. But, yeah, well done. Just on the losing side uh, for Fremantle, there were 35 disposals between the Antonio sisters. <laughs> oh, dear, Mark Soderstrom. Oh, good grief. I like the tweet, though. I like the tweet online uh, by Ebony Antonio just going, oh, we've only been married for three seasons now. Lol. <laughs> hey, you know what? Their anniversary is going to come around quicker because very soon they'll be married for four seasons. Well, that's that's a very good question. We should be asking Ebony that. Are you going to mark your marriage now by seasons or years since we'll have two in a year? <laughs> But sisters don't have anniversaries. What are you even talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I'll ask, um, is it Rachel Mules and um, Button? Mules and Button? The uh, Crow sisters or the Sparks? <laughs> They're all going to want to have anniversaries. <laughs> now, that was, a, that was a clanger from Soderstrom, wasn't it? It really was. And he was good enough to admit that he'd made a clanger a quarter or two later, I think, in reflecting. But thank God I'd had to call him out, mind you. Absolutely, and uh, I guess he's probably thinking he's probably about two inches tall at the moment after uh, (laughs) that howler, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets a gig on the uh, commentary for the uh, grand final. But we'll talk all things grand final very shortly. But as we go to air on 2SER, 107.3 FM on a Tuesday night, it's the same night of the W Awards, where we're going to uh, announce the league best and fairest, as well as uh, the other awards, Mark of the Year, Goal of the Year, NAB AFLW Rising Star. Now, Emma and Kiwi, I both want you to think, who will be your favourite to win the league BNF? But also, who's your smoky? Hmm. You see, my heart wants to say Ash Riddell is within, is within, oh, can't speak. Obviously, I don't think she has a chance. <laughs> I'd like to think Ash Riddell is, uh, you know, within striking distance, but look, probably North didn't win enough games. For me, it's Marinoff, Ebony Marinoff, actually. I think she's just had a superb season, another superb season. And, you know, look, in a team that where there, pe- there are people around her that will take votes from her, but she has just been a standout. I mean, look, only Hatchard perhaps were the one to take votes away from her. My Smokey, uh, not Riddell, my Smokey is Hayley Miller from Frio. Kiwi's face right now is <laughs> pursed. <laughs> no, only because if you can read my notes... What have you got written I've there, Hatchard Kelly? and Miller. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> we didn't confer before talking tonight. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think, yeah, for me it was either Marinoff or Hatchard. It mm. was kind of, and I thought maybe maybe Hatchard's had just the edge this year. And, um, and, She's and that's blonder. Gonna, Does that count for something? <laughs> maybe. It's the Woe Woden effect, isn't it? Absolutely, it's yeah, it's the rules of the rules of the um, award, isn't it? Um, but that's 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 the other challenge is the two of them are going to take points off each other mm. as well. Um, so my smoky was um, Hayley Miller or or Monconti. Can't read my Monconti. Monconti is the other one that I thought maybe um, probably probably does enough work to get it clean through the Richmond games. Um, it's just. 
their results may have an effect. But even in a losing Richmond side, she's still been absolutely outstanding yeah. in those matches. There's um, no question she'll win one one day. If it's not this year, there's market down. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, Fee did send me her um, her tip, and I'm pretty sure she did say it was Erin. She thinks Erin may get another BNF. But, but Fee thinks Erin's going to win literally everything. In fact, there's an election soon. Does Fee think that Erin's going to become Prime Minister? Well, she might be voting for it. I I will admit she did say Randall first, Chelsea Randall first. And I said, Chelsea didn't play half the scene. She goes, oh, no, the other one then, (laughs) Erin. That's great expert analysis there. She did did get a big dose of chemo a couple of days ago. So maybe that's a fit. Yeah, I don't know. But um, it was was a very funny conversation. We'll let her off that one. (laughs) <laughs> for, for for the record, I will say Emily Bates from the Brisbane Lions yep. and my Smokey, Emma Carney from the Kangaroos. Oh, all right. Because as much as, oh, as, 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 season. as much as many people say Ash Riddell, pe- previous winners of umpires awards always poll well in the following years. Mm, okay. Actually, Are you going to change your vote, aren't you, Kiwi? No, it wasn't Erin, she said. It was Cousin Lamb, Kirsty oh, Lamb. Right. That's Lammy. right. That's right. I thought she was going to say Erin, but no, she said Cousin Lamb. Christy Lamb. There you go. That's the one. So let's look towards the grand final. It will be held on Saturday at the Adelaide Oval, 12.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. But just quickly. Should it be held at the Adelaide Oval? Apparently, <laughs> Kelly Underwood and a few others are throwing some stuff out there saying, well, maybe Adelaide should host it at the MCG. What? <laughs> Look, maybe she was just trying to light a bit of a fire underneath Adelaide, the whole of Adelaide, when she said that on the weekend. Kelly Underwood on, on Outsiders, but on Offsiders even. Um, but it was, a, you know, I think it's a, a, something that we is worth talking about, the idea that you could play a grand final on the home of football, you know, it's a <laughs> it's a temple. The MCG is a temple. Why wouldn't you choose to play there? Perhaps if you were playing against Melbourne, that might be why you choose not to play there <laughs> or to have your home ground fans come along. I understand those things. But you know what? If it was me, I'd want to play on the MCG. As a fan of the game, I can remember my holidays at the different grand finals I've been to <laughs> just because – um, I do love it that they get a home ground advantage. I don't know that the actual home ground has had an advantage because obviously season one, Brisbane played at Gold Coast Stadium. <laughs> um, Adelaide, when they've played Adelaide Oval, they hardly, I think that was their first game at Adelaide Oval that year that they won with the big mm. crowd. Um, so, and then when Bulldogs won in Melbourne, that was at Carlton's home grounds. <laughs> There's not really been a lot of home ground advantage under that kind of rule. So I understand. Um, but they should move it to the MCG, right, Kiwi? Well, yeah, that's. I guess that's where the Victorians <laughs> get to fly their v, v flag and say, um, let's play it at the home of Victoria. Now, can I ask a question? Has the MCG, this may be a non-football question, is it really the home of AFL or was it over at Waverley Park? Oh, I think didn't Waverley try to claim that sort of status while the MCG was home of cricket, I suppose, realistically, wasn't it? But, but it's but been, I, I mean, it's been forever at the MCG. It's forever locked in for the men's final at the MCG. So equality, I guess. It's the old hallowed turf. It, it, what do you think, Peter? Well, I can say this, that 
if they held it at the MCG, an AFLW Grand Final finally gets played on the MCG, where by moving seasons from August to December, you won't be able to do that. Mm. Because, remember, in December, cricket has taken over the ground for Sheffield Shield, and around that time they also were preparing the pitch for the Boxing Day test, their big yeah, moneymaker. Right. Oh, we need to move that test. <laughs> <laughs> A cricket I'm fan, not more, happening, not happening. Not happening. <laughs> I'm just seeing more and more arguments stack up for Adelaide actually volunteering to move this match to the MCG. Uh, you can move the girl out of Victoria, but. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it. 12.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, 12 p.m. local time, Adelaide versus Melbourne. They have met before uh, back in round four, and it was a comfortable win in the end to the Crows. Um, Melbourne didn't get their score to late. I think I believe it was something like 4-11 to 3-3. So the Crows were inaccurate, but 15 scoring shots to six. So they meet again, but this time not on Norwood Oval, obviously on Adelaide Oval. Does the occasion get to one of these sides? Because they both have pressure. As we've been mentioning about the Adelaide Crows, last dance vibes, last chance they'll be together before Port Adelaide will come in and take away players. On Melbourne's side of things, if we're to believe the rumours about Daisy retiring, this is Daisy's shot. So who's got the bigger pressure? Mm. It's got to be the Crows, I think, with the greater pressure on them. I mean, if the game is at the MCG, perhaps it'd be the other way around. <laughs> I'm going to stop now. I really will. Um, I think the home, the home ground crowd, the expectations around them, uh, the fact of this team being raided by Port Adelaide undeniably next year and the whole Aaron Phillips mythology that's going to be cemented by this match, regardless of which way it goes, I think is a huge pressure. You know, now players like Phillips will rise to that. We, we, don't, we don't doubt that for a second. But as a team, I, I don't know. I think the pressure is decidedly on Adelaide. They're such a quality outfit. They are such a well-drilled team who just know instinctively where, where each other is. They want to play for each other. There's a lot of love in that team, and it's going to be hard for anyone to crack that. But if it's going to happen, perhaps it will be Melbourne whilst there's so much pressure on this kind of fairy tale ending for Adelaide. I think that's bigger than what's in place around Daisy. Yeah, I, th- I think I tend to feel like the Crows have got the experience for these big games. And I think losing last year will just add an extra little bit of fire to the belly. And then with the whole potential raid of um, Port Adelaide coming, I reckon it's going to make them play as if they've got an extra person. I think that's what it's going to give to them. Yeah, Kiwi, sorry to interrupt you on this. I just read an amazing stat today that Adelaide have only ever lost one final. So you talk about them having, you know, being big occasion players in in their history. They've only lost one final, the Adelaide Crows AFOW team, which is quite remarkable. And Melbourne, of course, haven't, you know, haven't yet cracked it in the same way that they have. But Melbourne have won the second most games in the comp behind Adelaide. So it's an interesting kind of balance of things, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think the season where it got called off without a final, uh, 2020, I think Melbourne were looking particularly strong that year too. So had the season continued, would have been, you know, quite – could it have been this grand final back then? Who knows? Um, but, yeah, I think I think what you'll find is it's going to be a very highly congested, highly competed game around the, around the contest. And um, I think it's going to be hard for either team to break free just because of – the um, absolute skill and defence that both teams offer. Uh, so it, it'll be kind of like who's going to crack the nut first, I think, and, and get that ball out. And um, I think 
Adelaide, you know, proved last time that they can prevent the quality forwards that Ds have from kicking goals. Um, and if the accuracy is up, which it tends to be at this time of the year, um, and, you know, Woodward, she's kicking goals every game mm. nowadays. So, um, you know, and they've got some very talented players around. And I think you can't mistake that X factor that Erin Phillips brings. And, you know, whether she kicks the first goal, the third goal, the ninth goal, I think she's going to be really hard to stop. So I think that the matchups will be key to this game. And, um, and I think for the Ds, if they can exploit the speed on that, like I think, I think their forwards have got speed over the Crows' defence. So if they can exploit that little gap, um, I reckon that's what we're going to see, some, some running kicks. Let's talk about the tolls for a moment and how both sides will be affected. First of all, as Emma highlighted in the preliminary final about Taylor Harris failing to fire in that game covered by Phoebe Monaghan, Taylor will be playing in her third grand final. She is two and zip so far, playing for both the Brisbane Lions and Carlton on both occasions, losing to Adelaide, uh, albeit she did have an injury partway through that second grand final. But she is coming up against her kryptonite, Chelsea Randall. (laughs) Yep. It's just a joy to think about being a spectator for such a contest, isn't it, really, in a grand final? I can't wait for that. <laughs> I've got nothing more to say in it other than I'm excited to see it. <laughs> well, here's the thought. If she beats Randall, do they win? Look, that's a, that's a yeah. I mean. How do you beat Randall? <laughs> but if anyone's going to do it, you know, like, and I, I suppose it's going to come down to the delivery, isn't it? If the, if the Melbourne uh, mids get enough space to deliver uh, with some precision and put it up, put it up on her head, then then I think. Um, and they've got yeah, in, they they've got quality kickers to do that too. Mm. That's the other thing with, with that side. Um, but if you put all your attention on Taylor, look out, Daisy Pierce is running around. And, you know, if they throw Eden Zanka forward or, you know, listen, Bannon, there's just. I mean, you know, do you, do you play Harris as a decoy? If she's if she's got Randall and just drag her out of play and let Bannon come through and bang three more goals through. Well, yeah, I would look at that straight up. I would look and see if they've put Chelsea on Taylor. I'd take her away. I'd take her away mm. from the action and use the others. If they put Sarah Allen on her, different kind of a matchup yeah. and less speed in there. So then I'd be I'd be inclined to then check where's Chelsea gone. <laughs> And, like Wally. <laughs> and, and the factor is, Sarah Allen may be required to do some ruck work for the Adelaide Crows should Montana yes. McKinnon not be successful at the tribunal. She's been charged with engaging in rough conduct against Kiara Bowers during the second quarter of the preliminary final. And in summary, the player can accept a one-match sanction with an early plea. Based on the evidence available, the incident was assessed as careless conduct, medium impact, high contact. So if she does not become successful at the tribunal and having that squashed. She had 13 hitouts on the weekend, almost 50% of the Crows' hitouts. Do the pieces need to be moved around? One less tall in the back line for Melbourne is, above me, for the Crows. Is that a hole that Melbourne can exploit? Yeah, for sure. That could totally change the complexion of the game, really. I think it'd be very upsetting from a Crows' perspective to have to think about doing that, really. I think... I don't know. I mean, it depends on the, on the coaching panel, but I'd nearly keep Alan down there and throw would you, would, would, would Woodland into the <laughs> the forward the forward into the um, rock, and then they've got another tool. Don't they have another tool that comes in? 
I've just lost your name right now. Um, Darkish here, ponytail. Isn't that all of them? Um, there's another tool that has come in and out of the um, grows lineup and often floats forward. Does a bit of backup ruck. Oh, the name's going to come to me as soon as we finish the show. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I kind of look at it and I go, would you keep his backline sort of steady and keep Alan in there for, you know, the control factor? Or, well, that's what I would do. I'd keep it there and I'd use one of the others. The other girl, that name. <laughs> I can't think what you – I can see her face. Go on. I'm, not, I'm not bringing you to trivia night, Kiwi. <laughs> can I draw the face? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's time for predictions on who will win the grand final and who will be best on ground. In fact, I'll even jump in first. I will say <laughs> that the Adelaide Crows will win – by 11 points, and in one of those bizarre occasions, Karen Paxman to win best on ground in a losing side. All right. Well, I have got, I've got fees ones. She is tipping the Ds by 11, and she is tipping Daisy to win best on ground. Okay. And you, Kiwi? Um, me, I'm tipping the Crows by 16. And I'm tipping Hatchard. It might be hard for them to get the votes away from Erin, but. <laughs> well, I think the Crows will win this reasonably comfortably and I'm going for them. Well, I'm not going for them, but I'm picking them by 19 points. And I've got Daisy Pierce down too for the medal because that'll be the, that'll be the sentimental, uh, you know, <laughs> second second run. <laughs> prize they give her as she retires well thank you both for your tips that's how we see it's going to play out we have got one more show to go in the year and next week we'll have obviously who won the grand final and who won all the respective awards at the w awards so once again to coach kiwi and dr emma phillips thank you very much for your company caitlin thanks pete was caitlin caitlin (laughs) you I knew it would come to me. The trivia night is over. The patrons have left the building. I'm sorry, Coach Kiwi. This this has been finals week three of the Code Hanger for AFLW Season 6. We'll be going to you every week. In fact, one more week on 2SER 107.3 FM. Be sure to catch us on the socials. We're at Code Hanger Footy on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to catch the full version of this show in the podcast, wherever you get your good podcasts from. And as always, for the best type of views in women's footy, tune into the Code Hanger. (laughs) 